Welcome to Everyday Driver, where cars are more than just transportation. They're freedom, a common ground, a way to grow, and can even make life better. We're here to help everyone find a car they love and discover all the ways cars connect us. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is The Car Debate. And all of a sudden, it's summertime. At least it feels like it. <laughs> yeah. I got on the bike today. The convertible top's been off the Z4, which is still working. It's cool. I think. Does it actually work? I think the Z4 has a connection. And somebody's going to confirm or deny this for me that's looked into it more than I have. I think the Z4 has a connection between what the car senses the temperature is and whether or not the top can go down. And it must so be rules. somewhere, must be somewhere below 45 because above 45, I can hit the button and it comes down. I've tried it. We tried it when it was snowing and blowing in that parking lot. We were changing tires in the freezing cold, and the top was like, why would I go down right now? See, rules. Mm-hmm. That means rules. why would anybody want to put the top down when it's colder than 45? Yeah, they, Let's just make it so you can't. They, they clearly can't hadn't planned for, for idiots yourself. like us. So, yeah, that doesn't happen. A Volkswagen update. The K has returned, oh, apparently, as you heard in the last podcast. The company that was accused of lying now reminded us of their lying again. Well, and the K has returned. I even it backfired on them. I even asked the question on the last podcast: Could this be an early April Fool's Day? I asked that question. I said, "Is this this is maybe like?" And apparently, the intention was they were going to release on April first. Ha ha! Just kidding. But the problem is, no one expects. Everything on a corporate website to change over days before April Fool's Day and then say, ha ha, I, I submit to you, if they'd done this only on April Fool's Day, it might have been successful. Yes, but they denied it and then they played around with it and they tried to spin it and I that know. made it even worse. Yes. So I guess it's Volkswagen again. Is it? Is it? Is it Volksgate now or Voltgate? It's Voltgate. We oh, had Dieselgate. Gosh. Now it's Voltgate. Oh my gosh! Well, there's a question on Twitter from I Need Coffee Six who asks which car maker made the best April Fool because we're recording this on April one. Our sponsor Haggerty introduced Hagger Tea, including <laughs> I, delicious flavors. Did you see this? I did see this. I thought that's I, I, we we liked it. We did we because did. it's it's phenomenal. It's really really and and it has fantastic product photos. Yeah, like they, legit they went far. product photos. Yes, they went it wasn't far. like here's a little <laughs> thing with our background and we're just saying we're releasing. It's like no no. Here it is in your kitchen. Hagger Tea. Hagger Tea. Check it out. There's rich exhaust blend. There's road-smoked rubber and aged Corinthian leather. Hagger tea, taste the road. I love that. Fantastic. And Griot's Garage, did you see they introduced microfiber shorts? (laughs) That's, you know, it's a joke. But, you know... What what I, better what better way to hang out around the house than in a pair of microfiber shorts? No, and if no, you no, spill no. something, you just go got it. Exactly. See, I'm thinking you spread leather care on your butt, and then you just sit in your car. <laughs> the end. We're good. Wow. I think missed the opportunities. Yeah. The run up goes to Pelican Parts. They introduced the Porsche Taycan Twin Turbo Kit. Let nice. that sink in. Nice. But the hands down, the best goes to Caterham Cars, who introduced the Caterham 7 Lube that has suspicious similarities to Vaseline. Apparently, studies have shown that one good-sized dollop can get you from standing to the driver's seat in less than 1.3 seconds. Makes getting in and out of a 7 easier than ever before. I'm just well done. leave that alone. Caterham that's awesome stuff. Lube. Brilliant. Our friends at Griot's Garage have got a new line of ceramic products to make your car care easier and more satisfying than ever. You can start with the new Ceramic Wash & Coat, an ultra-slick formula that can be used with either the bucket wash method, the foaming sprayer, the cannon, or whatever Paul has come up with now. We take Speed Shine with us on every single shoot. It's the ultimate for quick detailing, and now it has ceramic protection too. Ceramic Speed Shine maintains a slippery gloss finish in between your main washing and protection days. And they even have ceramic trim wipes for long-lasting protection on plastic trim. Try any of these products individually or use them as your new wash routine. They're 100% guaranteed, and all the liquid products from Griot's are made in the USA. And don't forget to use the new code EDRIVER when you're ordering from griotsgarage.com. Our audience gets 15% off liquids and 10% off everything else. That's Griot's, G-R-I-O-T-S. Enjoy the finest quality car care products you can buy at griotsgarage.com. A couple of great car debates here. First Mm -hmm. from Tudor in the Netherlands. He says it's a small country with tall people to sports car or not sports car. I love that one. 
We've also, let's see, we've got uh, Lynn. Lynn's writing to us, yeah. He's fun shy about his pristine track car. I love when, when tracking comes up and then mm. the, what follows is, what car do I get for the track? That's when you know the bug is hit. I look forward to coming back to that one. Indeed. Well, Tudor P. writes to us from the Netherlands. He's an expat in the, in the Netherlands looking to change his daily 2014 BMW 116i. Looking for something sportier, but he says, considering none of his friends own a car and the Dutch are tall, something like a Miata or GT86 might be too impractical. What I love about this is that he came to even buying this BMW because of this show. Yeah. He was kind yeah. of listening casually. He was riding to work. He was doing the commute thing, and he kind of found the show. And then he realized, oh, yeah, cars. <laughs> I like those. And, and as he said, most people he knows don't drive a car or own a car. Right. If you, and, and there's a thing in the middle of his email here where he talks about how if he commutes on public transit, mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. takes him 40 minutes. Let this sink in. If he drives, it takes him 20. Most of the oh, time when hello? people commute in a major downtown area in public transit, it's because it is significantly faster. He said everyone he knows has a bike. No one he knows has a car. He went and bought a car. Super cool. He was bored and isolated during the summer of 2020. And he thought, it's time to buy a car. Friends are in different cities. Isolation is boring. The commute to work, he says, as you were saying, takes at least 40 minutes. So armed with a spreadsheet and our podcast, his hunt for a new car was narrowed down to an 08 Audi TT and a 2014 1 Series 116i. Which is the bottom of the 1 Series lineup. Yeah, that's, that's welcome to the 1 Series. Did he ever mention, did Tudor mention that this would be the second car he'd ever owned? His first car was an 08 hybrid Honda Civic. He bought for 4,500 euros, sold for 750 some nine months later. Wow. That's a hit because an electronic module in the hybrid system broke, and a secondhand one would have been 2,000 euros. So he learned his lesson, no more hybrids. Okay. He took the Audi for a test drive first, and he says where he realized just how good a good car can be. In between his hysterical laughter and fumblings with the manual transmission... Because it had been seven years since he drove one, mm-hmm. a bug bit him, and he knew he wanted a good car. He was almost on the edge of buying that TT. However, it had 180,000 kilometers, recently had about 5,000 euros worth of repairs. Ooh. He said it's not bad in itself, but the size of the list was frightening. <laughs> and he was asking 12,500 euros. It wasn't what he had in mind. And keep in mind, this is for the base TT. Yeah, he says normally when you think of TT, you think of Quattro, V6. The car he drove was the unpopular brother that everyone forgets exists. Mm -hmm. 160 horsepower, 1.8 liter front-wheel drive. And he says it wasn't practical. He (laughs) dragged a friend to the test drive because he's shorter than him. He said, well, you're short. you got to go with me. Well, yeah, and and he said, you're 5'5", I'm 5'9", knowing all of the rest of his friends are taller than him, by the way. He said, can my 5'5 friend fit in the back? And the answer is No. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All right. Well, the same day, he test drives the BMW, 84,000 kilometers, about 52,000 miles on it. It's an automatic. Leather seats, asking price was 11,200 euro. He took the car out of the garage and immediately noticed the handling. Blew his mind so much, he took all the sharp turns at speeds he would be too afraid to do in a front-wheel drive car. Mm-hmm. He says it wasn't, a hyster- wasn't as hysterical as the TT, but he had a huge grin on his face, and he was so enamored with how it handled, he forgot to use sport mode. What I like about this is this is a direct, I don't know what to expect comparison of front-wheel drive dynamics and rear-wheel drive dynamics. And the front-wheel drive fun car, he thought, wow, this is fun. And the rear-wheel drive car came along and surprised him so much it was like a slap to the face with what is this handling about? Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Well, he slept on it. Next day, he went back to the dealer. He bought the BMW and has been a happy owner for the past seven or eight months, but he wants more. Mm -hmm. And so he writes, The disease has struck in a big way. Yeah, He says, don't get me wrong. The 116i is a great daily, good consumption, comfortable, very practical. He can easily hop in it, pick up his friends 60 kilometers away, and go someplace far to spend time together. But here's this crux, the crux of the email. (laughs) He feels like he's missing something. It doesn't bite as much as he'd like it to. His organs are in the same place every time he slams (laughs) on the throttle. His neighbors still like him. And driving it feels limited. Well, what he realizes driving this is that he really likes it, and it's made him realize what's cool about BMW, what's cool about rear-wheel drive, but he also realizes, I bought the base one. I can tell that the intention here is, let me get you in a little bit better model. Although I liked it that you did buy the base car. Yes. And you're now desensitized to it and wanting more. But you know 
because you were coming at it from zero, from yes, nothing. absolutely true, yes. And so it felt instantly like the world had opened up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But now, after driving, getting used to it, you're desensitized to it now, and you're wanting more, knowing that there can be more, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is fantastic. But Agreed. I like that you have that step under your belt. You didn't just go to something crazy. You didn't just buy like, a ton of power. Where do and, I go from yeah, here yeah, yeah, kind yeah. of thing. So he says... He wants to upgrade to a higher tier, tier one series like 135i or 140i, but the front-wheel drive TT is the misbegotten brother of the Quattro TT. He says that retains some fun factor, but he's shopping for something different here, mm-hmm. specifically for a rear-wheel drive sports car under 20,000 euro, hard limit, he says, okay. but most sports cars out there usually lack the practicality that he'd like. He can rent a trailer if he ever needs to move large objects. He's pretty sure he can pick and choose which friend he wants to sit next to him and <laughs> which friend gets to sit in the trunk. But he says, at the same time, extra seats are nothing but a what-if since they're usually empty. Mm-hmm. He's thought about buying a second car. However, that won't work. As I said, he's an expat living in the Netherlands where parking is limited. Car regulations tend to be strict. The national speed limit during daytime is 100 kilometers per hour. 100 Kilometers an hour is the limit. And everyone owns a bicycle, but almost no one drives a car. He rents a flat and has a parking permit for one car in the area where he lives, but it's pretty crowded, and the municipality won't release him another permit for a second car. So whatever he gets, it will have to be the daily. And he says, a fun fact about the Netherlands, taxes for (laughs) privately owned gasoline-powered cars are calculated based on the weight of the car. Mm. He even sent us a website, which I went through, to indeed discover, once you put in all your parameters and you say, where do you live in the mm-hmm, Netherlands? Mm-hmm. What province? And then they say, all right, how much does your car weigh? And Amazing. they ask you. Amazing. So he says the incentive is to get a lightweight and powerful sports car. Mm-hmm. He's been looking around. And he says, maybe in Miata, maybe a GT86. But the impracticality of both is what puts him off. He says, I'm hearing you guys already. The GT86 is practical. Mm-hmm. It's got plenty of space for people yep. in the back. To which he'd agree if he weren't living in the Netherlands. Because he squeezes in nicely, but not the Dutch. Most of them are six feet tall and counting. <laughs> Get shorter friends. No, that's not what I mean. <laughs> Make short friends. Since, he says, we've driven a lot more than he has, what's our take on this? Do we have any recommendations that would work with his situation? Or should he just pack his bags and move to a bigger country? <laughs> A bigger country with smaller people is what we're saying. <laughs> right. Yeah, this is not a, another one of those pack your bags and move podcasts, huh? <laughs> He's been eyeing that 135i for less than 20K, but since he already drives a BMW, is it worth his time to try out something new? Tudor, I love your your driving homework and where it's le- led you. Again, I love that you started out with a base because mm-hmm. you started mm-hmm. with scratch, with nothing. Yeah. And so you, you sampled that and realized that was good. I need more. The first hit was free. I need the next one. I like <laughs> We're it. We're all just addicted. It's terrifying. <laughs> yeah. I was looking at cars this morning again. Oh yeah. What, I was. What I was. Were you I had no reason to. I was just looking. Just looking this morning. Yeah. I, I was in the literally. I was in the middle of editing something, and I thought. I thought of a, one of those random cars thrown through my head. And I was like, wonder what those are running. Yeah. So I was lost at Autotempest for like twenty minutes. Like, what am I doing? And, and honestly, here's here's ridiculous. I don't have a problem with porn. I don't. <laughs> okay. And I know for some people it's an issue, but. But I'm sitting there looking at this car mm-hmm. on Auto Tempest, and I realized my wife was just about to walk through the office, and I thought I should close this browser because otherwise she's going to ask, "What are you doing? What are you doing?" <laughs> mm-hmm. And then you're going to have to explain. Uh-huh. And all this no, stuff. I'm just looking. It's okay. Yeah. yeah. Here's the list of cars he's driven: an 04 Dacia Logan. He hated it. He's had a '98 Volkswagen Golf that he can't believe held together. An 05 Golf, which is the driving instructor's car. Mm-hmm. The, the 08 Audi TT, the one in the email, he says. A 2017 Mini Cooper S, which is a rental from the repair shop when his BMW had repairs. Ugly to look at, but surprisingly fun. And <laughs> the aforementioned 2014 okay. BMW 116i. We could go many places, mm-hmm. and I thought of many cars, Tudor, but I keep coming back to the weight. The tax mm-hmm. on the weight, because mm-hmm. I think, oh, you should get one of the... Nope, that's going to yeah. cost you a lot of money. Yeah. And I think of your parking situation and where you're at in town. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you've had all the hot hatches. And so the usual suspects, I ask you, what about the Mini Cooper S? What, what about it? You kind of liked it. You're dismissing it because it's ugly, you say, but it was fun to drive, mm. which means you're in it. Everybody else has to look at it. So you're the one having the fun. I'm genuinely asking you about that car. Mm. And if you would consider it, 
but it, it's a hot hatch, but it almost has to be. This is why Europe has a lot of hot hatches and really good ones. Well, yes. The problem that we have here is the full combination. And here are the three things that I wrote them down. The tutor's really seeking after. He wants lightweight, rear-wheel drive, and large. And I'm going to say to you, pick two. Yeah. Because the combination you're looking for of all three of those boxes checked, a large, lightweight rear-wheel drive car doesn't really exist. <laughs> yeah. You're almost going to have to mm, just clamp down and say, lightweight, I'm just going to – if I want what I want, you can get something that's great, but you're going to have to pay for it. It's the pay-to-play mm-hmm. thing. I thought of other hot hatches that you get that we don't, the Hyundai i30N. We get it in the form of the Veloster N here mm-hmm. in North America. The Renault RS cars, the RS280, 265. My wild card for you, though, could be, if you want to stay as a hot hatch, this could be a consideration here for you. That is the new, well, second generation, Ford Fiesta ST. Mm -hmm. Excellent choice. I like this a lot for you. But again, it's the hot hatch thing. It's light. It has space for your friends. And you can park it. Mm -hmm. So that is the most compromised because... For sticking to your recipe, I don't really see anything other than doing kind of the same thing. I mean, you could go all the way to my aspirational choice, which is the Toyota GR Yaris. That is the Mm. pinnacle of tiny, lightweight, crazy, still people, human beings still fit, apparently. apparently. And yikes. Yeah, and it's the problem is it, I mean, in all of these, we're not dealing with straight rear wheel drive, but I submit that the GR Yaris is going to feel better than straight front wheel drive. It will. Yeah. It will. So. The problem here is, of course, price and the fact that they're in demand, raising prices. Yes. That is my aspirational choice for you should you decide to throw out the $20,000 limit. But I do have some of the suggestions, and they are also usual suspects. Again, I'm, I'm really trying to keep it light because I thought of you know, the M5 is such a great choice for things. Yeah, but heavy. But it's heavy. So Caymans and Boxsters and BMW Z3s and Z4s. Mm-hmm. And you could even go back and save some money. You could get a Porsche 944. Yeah, yeah, very light. Those are yeah. very light and cheap. But again, I, I like your suggestion. Pick two. Pick one. If yeah. you can check a box, <laughs> great. T- Tudor, I have two for you, and they, they have those different pros and cons. Because, again, it's lightweight rear-wheel drive and large. And I am going to stay with pick two. But... I'm going to circle back to two things you said in your own email, and I just kind of want to hold up a mirror and and ask some questions. Okay. Okay? First off, you have this sentence in your email. You're talking about why a sports car might not be big enough. And then you say in your email, those extra seats are nothing but a what if. They're usually going to be empty. So you've spent a lot of your email talking about how certain cars don't work, and I'm going to land on, yes, the GT86. You're worried about the back seats not being big enough. Mm -hmm. But then you admit they're hardly ever going to get used. And you also have yeah. looked at something like a Miata, which has no back seats at all. Can you just rent something if you're going somewhere with friends and I, it's a known trip? And I mean, I, I know it prevents you from just going immediately. Agreed. But I think that the 86, and I know somebody out there is shaking their head and fast-forwarding the podcast, but I think the 86 is your answer. I know that somebody out there is shaking their head already because I'm mentioning the 86 again, but I actually think it might be your answer because you've brought it up and you've said that you like so much about that one series that you have, which, by the way, doesn't have big back seats. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe you have the four-door, but it's not like it's this huge, roomy back seat in no, that car. No, it's no okay? So I think for your usage, you're looking for a car that can accommodate tall people. The GT86 can accommodate tall people, and the Miata cannot now, I admit, you're only taking one friend along, but that friend can be a large friend. True. Because the 86 will accommodate that in a way the Miata cannot. You're dealing with about 2,700 pounds, which I think your one, uh, 116 probably weighs closer to 3,000. It's probably about 2,900. So it's already lighter than your current car. It's probably slightly more powerful than your current car, but not going to feel overly powerful. We haven't solved that problem here at all. Mm-hmm. But uh, you've dismissed it, but yet in the same email, you've talked about the back seats aren't something that are going to get used. That's where I get confused, and I think the 86 might solve it. I have an alternative for you. It's not as light as I want it to be. You're going to add probably three or 400 pounds on top of what you're currently paying for the BMW. I don't know how much that changes your equation, but I think you should get yourself a used Alpha Julia. I mean, they're going to be heavy. They're heavy. Yeah, they're big. Like three or 400 pounds more than he's got right now yeah. as far as weight. So I don't know what that does for cost, but 
this is the rear-wheel drive handling you're looking for. It is. But in the two-liter sure. engine, it's going to feel a lot more powerful than what you have, and yet it's still going to be pretty efficient. I mean, everything will feel more powerful, but that's yes. okay. That's great. But again, two-liter engines, because sometimes that's a tax issue as well. Two-liter engine is going to be good. This has got real four-door space. I bet you that Julia's got more space than your current BMW. But the, the, mm. the chuckability mm. factor that you're enjoying in that BMW, that small rear-wheel drive feel, surprisingly, that carries over to the base Julia. You know what I'm thinking is the upcoming yet-to-be-announced, as of this recording, this podcast, Toyota has not announced or shown anything for the second-generation GT86. But it may be beyond his budget. Well, maybe. Maybe. If he's willing to extend just a little Mm -hmm. bit, weirdly, I will endorse that car if it does have the power that Mm -hmm. I think it does and what it'll do for that car. Because I think it will bring it to life, and it'll still be pretty lightweight and still the same form factor. Agreed. I do think that could be Mm -hmm. maybe a holdout. The problem is we never recommend holding out on... Rumors or speculation. Agreed. It's and hard with to a, a 20,000 euro hard cap, my guess is that car is going to start at 25 and go up. Could be, yeah. Maybe not. Maybe not. Okay, so just make guess. payments. Tudor, just make payments. Uh, <laughs> forget, forget the purchase price. Just make payments. What we aren't is a budgeting podcast. We no. are going to help you get into a car you like. <laughs> it might not necessarily be a car you should afford, but you'll like it. When your car needs new brakes, and it will, it's a great time to upgrade for better stopping power. We're excited to partner with PowerStop Brakes for an easy way to get more performance for something you already need. PowerStop is on a mission to deliver better brakes on every vehicle in every situation, from daily commuting to towing to track days. These are bolt-on, direct-fit parts for better braking with no modifications required. Every PowerStop Complete Brake Kit comes with all the parts you need to upgrade your brakes. That includes the pads, rotors, and even those little clips and fasteners. Plus, all their pads are made from a carbon fiber ceramic compound, which they've tested extensively to deliver low dust and noise-free performance. So the next time you need new brakes or simply want to upgrade, visit PowerStop.com and enter your vehicle's information into their easy-to-use car finder. Todd and I even found great kits for our SUVs and cheap sports cars. Give your everyday driver the easy and affordable performance upgrade it deserves at PowerStop.com. Lynn N. writes to us, with a bit of a pickle. He's got a Jeep JLU Rubicon as his daily and a family trip car for hiking, light off-roading. Okay. He also has a 2006 Cayman S with a TPC Racing Turbo with only 20,000 miles on the car. Mm. Near perfect mm. condition. Lynn's friends have talked him into getting into autocross and track day. So he thought, okay, cool, I'm in. On his first autocross with the Cayman, he blew a hose on his second run. Mm-hmm. Guessing it was something to do with the turbo or just do the install. Now we're off into a side thing real quick, which is I wonder if you'd had any problems if it was stock. And my money is probably not. Yeah. But anyway, onward. Although I I love TPC. I've looked at them many times mm-hmm. when I had my 987 came in. I looked and at that's them that's what he has. Yeah. I mean, very it's, it's a good kit, but it's just that's the thing. You introduce aftermarket stuff and you introduce more potential problems. But onward. He says, needless to say, his day was done and the car's in the shop, and now he's fun shy about continuing to track the Cayman. (laughs) Fun shy. I like that. It's good. So now he's thinking about getting a track car for under $10,000 specifically to track. I love this progression. I have a hot car that should be tracked. I took my hot car to the track and have decided, you know what I need? A car for the track. He says he knows all the arrows point to Miatas, but he's already owned one years ago, and he doesn't like repeating cars. Okay. But if he gets a cheaper car, his wife would like to start autocrossing with him as Hmm. she wouldn't be so afraid to damage it. I like this. This is cool. Because his wife's scared to drive his pristine Cayman in the street. I see it. Much less the track, let alone the track. Mm -hmm. So what do we say? Okay. I like this. This is essentially a headline that says, less than $10,000 track car no Miatas allowed. Yeah. Which is which is cool and interesting. I love the fact that if you get something like this, your wife is game to join you. Mm-hmm. We've talked mm-hmm. about this on the podcast a lot. Don't teach your significant other to drive manual. Right. And right. don't put that. them in your pristine car you love almost as much as you love them. <laughs> and give them the extra pressure of please drive this well because – these are just ways to start fights. So don't do these things. So the fact that you're talking about a cheap, I don't care so much car and she wants to drive it is really cool. There was that story a while back when you put your wife in your Lotus for a track day. Hmm? 
and didn't go well. Okay, I guess, but overall, it wasn't. Didn't go well. The, the best she was experience. she was overwhelmed. She came in already on the end of a bad day, which was not good. Yeah. Then she spent an hour with my son, who was having a bad day, in the car to get to the track. Then oh, she good. arrived at the track late. See this progression? Yeah. I, was, I was not set up for success. Then she arrived at the track late. So she barely walked into the like she parked her car and walked into the driver's meeting, having never been in a driver's meeting before. I didn't have any chance to prep her. Then she jumped in the Lotus. Then she went out on track. She was not happy with me or the car. And this is a car she likes. And she was game, but she's told me since then, she's like, I don't want to drive your Lotus on the track again. It was too stressful. I mean, she takes her car all the time on the street yes, as well. absolutely. Mm. This could be the track car that could also be a beater. And I come to our cheap sports car challenge and all the cars that we had considered as, hey, we could get that. And, you know, I would have bought a Boxster. Todd would have bought a Miata. Mm-hmm. And all the others that we looked at, the Solstices, mm-hmm. the Skies, the... You know, Z3s are out there. Yeah, yeah. Corvettes are out there. Yeah. Cheap Corvettes. That's kind of where I'm going just because you almost need a beater track car and Honda Fits could work. True. You could do front-wheel drive fun, yeah. Because for a track, especially for autocross, yeah, you want, you know, it's timed and yeah, you want to get into it a little bit. But do you need something that's fully set up and fully, you know, mm, like a... Mm class winning car kind of thing. Well, you're going to pay for that. Mm. You sound like you're just getting into it and you're just doing it for fun, especially if both of you were doing it together. That's just a time to go have fun, not to, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and tease each other about lap times and who's better and who's faster and who did what better, but it's not about, you know, placing in class or any of that stuff. So you could almost have the headspace of anything will work in this category for 10 grand or less Mm. And it doesn't matter if it's perfectly set up and you're going to put tires on it anyway and who cares and then drive it home. And it could be the third beater car. It could be the, mm-hmm. you know, take the Cayman for fun stuff. I I still encourage you to drive that Cayman S. And this is a guy with a Cayman talking to you when I'm precious about my cars too. Mm-hmm. I'm, Lynn, I'm talking directly to you. I definitely understand. But if it sits and you don't use it, mm-hmm. and you're not redlining it occasionally, and you're not using that turbo kit and not mm-hmm. really experiencing that car, why do you have it? Yeah, that uh, is the question. That's tough. I mean, it's owning you at that point. And look, I'm talking to me, not to you. Yeah. And so the one of the greatest things that I've experienced with my Cayman GTS now is doing what it's intended for and experiencing it pretty much at the limit on track. I yeah, mean, yeah. it's still mine, so I'm not doing stupid things and I'm I'm backing off where I think, you know what? I'm not sure about that corner and I'll just take it a little bit easier mm-hmm. than I would have, you know, still my car, still got to get it home yeah, kind of thing, true. but I'm feel like I'm beating on it. Mm. And it's wonderful. And then I drive it home. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. I feel like, well, yeah, that's why I love Porsche so much because they're, you know, they're designed, they they mm-hmm. advertise that. That's what their mm-hmm. whole history has been. Take it to the track, take it to the street, whatever. And so it's weirdly uh, cathartic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. To I totally bring get that. the most out of yes, a car for yes. all of its uses. Mm-hmm. So I just encourage you with the Cayman. Don't get it. You know, the Cayman sits because you get the new track car and then the Cayman just sits. Mm-hmm. So where's the balance? I don't want it to own you. It's mm. a sweet car, but drive it. So I'm thinking Honda Fits and Porsche 944s and Z3s and Z4s and all those cheap sports car challenge kinds of cars. Channel Todd and I, channel that kind of mm-hmm. thinking. Set your budget at 7500 Start there. Mm. And then if something comes through at like 8000 9000 you think, oh, maybe we could, you know, we could do something like that. But yeah, especially if your wife's with you and you're doing it together, sweet. Yeah, Lynn, I love this. I am going to go through a list. Some of them are going to overlap Paul's cars, but I also think you need to shop with your wife. What are the cars well, that's when you cool. pull them up? Like just, just pull them up online. Go to Auto Tempest and yeah. just start pulling up the cars we're talking about. See which one she goes, oh, that's cool. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And you don't say anything manual or not. I'm, I'm guessing she drives manual and you're getting a manual car. I, I'm, so I'm just assuming that. Sure. I could be totally wrong. But I think you need to include her in the search and see what intrigues her. Okay. Because if it intrigues both of you at least a little bit, that's a car you're going to both – you're going to be endeared to want to go drive it. Yeah. Versus you talking her into one or you get talked into one, okay? So I have one Porsche on my list, and that is the 944, the non-turbo. They're, just they're so cheap. Now, to go. you do have the Porsche parts problem. 
(laughs) Okay, so there is the Porsche tax in just getting parts and getting it worked on. But I've known a few people that have done this. They had their nice Porsche, and they went and bought a non-turbo beater. Typically, the paint wasn't that good, 944, and it became their track car, and they were so happy. Because there's nothing precious, but they have that Porsche feel they like. So I am going to say a non-turbo 944. The other oddball I'm going to say, because it's going to take a little bit of maintenance for you as an owner, but you know what's really cheap is Mazda RX-8s. Oh, okay. Great gearbox, very light, wonderfully chuckable, feel really, really fun to wind out. What the engines like on those is high RPM. True. Tracking and autocross are going to allow that. What they hate is trundling through traffic. Mm -hmm. That's when the engines are at their worst. So keep up the oil, get online and check the the forums for all the things you're supposed to do to keep your RX-8 running, but you can buy them cheap and they are one genuinely wonderful dynamically to drive. I think you'd enjoy those on the track. Those are my two high maintenance choices. Okay. Now I have three just buy one choices. Mm. MR2 Spider. You want the non-Miata Miata for less than 10 grand? MR2 Spider. Now, you're going to have to check with your local tracking groups. What do they have regulations on for convertibles? You may have to put a roll bar yeah, in or something. That but yeah. that car is very fun and underappreciated dynamically. The problem with it is, honestly, it's small. It doesn't have much utility, and it has terrible storage. It's your track car. Who cares? <laughs> True. Who True. cares? The interior is not nice. Don't care. Track car. Toyota MR2. So that's that one. Also, you said it before, a C4 or possibly even a C5 Corvette, depending upon the one you find. Make it run and go beat on it. Get a beater Corvette. Yes. Yes. Go enjoy that. And the last one, because you can find them cheap, you can run them into the ground, and there are so many race and track parts available, you can get yourself lost. A Nissan 350Z. Mm, Good. Good. Yeah. Entire series are built upon the Z car. Absolutely. When you don't have a Miata and you're in a spec series, you're in the spec Zs. Yeah. Every winter, we find ourselves tracking snow, salt, and grime into our cars. Thankfully, Covercraft has a variety of floor mats to keep you winterproof. Covercraft floor mats and cargo mats are custom fitted to your exact car and include the original equipment security grommets if applicable. They're the perfect and durable way to protect your car's carpet and add style and comfort to your interior. Plus, you can choose from many color and material options to complement or contrast the interior colors of your car or truck. Covercraft is sure to have what you need. They offer plush carpet, Berber carpet, or even sheepskin, which is warm in the winter and cool in the summer. Whatever mats you choose, remember to use the code EVERYDAY21 at checkout to receive a 10% discount and free shipping from Covercraft.com. Jumping over to questions, Thomas G22 asks, why don't manufacturers have actual exhaust tips on the vehicles, especially with higher-end cars like Mercedes? It just looks bad. Thomas, think about it from a manufacturing standpoint. Yes, to have an actual tip shaped that connects to the muffler Mm -hmm. like that. That's a, a lot of extra steps. Now, the trim piece could be molded into the bumper or it could be just an extra separate piece that snaps in. And so think about how mufflers are made and you're using cheap tubing. It's cheap steel Mm -hmm. essentially. And to actually create something that's, you know, grows out of the muffler and it is attached properly and it's a nice, beautiful shape that costs money. Mm. That costs time and money. And so where manufacturers say, now you could argue, well, it's Mercedes. Why aren't they putting that money in because of aesthetic? Because you're going from that cheap steel tubing to a long, wide, rectangular shape. Which might be made out of some other metal or plastic or whatever. Yes, indeed. It's usually a plated plastic. It's dishonest materials, but that's just how you keep uh, budget out of cars. So especially for the people that put it together and the people that assemble that, it's an extra time-consuming step. And so the decision is made, all right, uh, Porsche even does this. Mm -hmm. You look at that GT2 RS... And it just ends in some pretty cheap-looking steel, but that solenoid with the flap is buried up in there. But then it terminates in a really nice, mm. you know, bezel, a flange, you know, something mm-hmm. nice-looking. Mm-hmm. Okay, you know, all right. But also think of this. What if you're changing a muffler on some sports car? Kind of makes it easier. And there you go. Selfies with Steve says, we must change our Griot's ad. <laughs> I, I love this. This is funny. He said we need to change it because we don't talk about smell. I started reading this question with what happened here, but his point here is he bought some Speed Shine, and he didn't realize that it would smell good. Here's the cool thing about Griots. They actually have their own chemists, and they make their own uh, their own 
liquids, which a lot of these companies are rebottling each other's stuff. It's what's going on behind the yeah. scenes. We were surprised to find that out, but we have actually dug in to find that that's the case. So Griot's is making their own stuff. And one of the things they worry about is color. And the other one they worry about is smell. Mm-hmm. So you can look at a glance and you can tell what something is. And all of their products smell good. And I say that because I don't care. <laughs> I, 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 how it smells was irrelevant. But when the car is really clean and it also smells like nice, I'm like, how did that happen? Yeah, it can't smell foul. It can't be a you know true but, chemical odor. But, but I would thing. expect the kind of chemical odor and the whatever, and it smells not offensive, but just it has a scent, whatever. But this generally smells nice. And I'm hey, honestly, Steve, I'm glad you like it. Edmund Hayes one two three says, if the public is sold on more is better, why don't we see more six wheeled cars? <laughs> I think people are smarter than that. I, th- I think they're, <laughs> there's, uh, there's more manufacturing involved. There's more engineering there's involved. There's a cost issue, yeah. And it's cost. I mean, why would you buy a six-wheeled car and pay for six tires when you can buy a four-wheeled car and pay less? Well, except for when you get wildly rich and you now want a G-Wagon 6x6, but that's a completely different thing. Yeah, there's a lot of cost to those kinds of things. I'm thinking of the Terrell six-wheeled Formula One cars. The Mm. thinking was more surface area, more grip. More grip, yeah. We're going to turn in with more. Which was a cool idea. Mm -hmm. It looked really funky, but it really... the place where they were hamstrung was pit stops. It complicated things. (laughs) Oh, crap. We need more people. More over the wall. Go, go. (laughs) Mystic Negro says, don't we currently live in the future? And if so, since we do, what were we most looking forward to as a kid that isn't here yet? And I'm going to say it, flying cars. Yeah. I really thought as a kid we'd have that. Look at, yeah, I'm sorry. It's only good reference I've got. Look at Coruscant, the city planet in Star Wars with all the lanes of stuff flying through the air like traffic. I know. I know. It's all white noise to you. But Mm -hmm. honestly, I expected flying cars. I'm a guy that loves planes. I love cars. Flying cars. (laughs) And they're not here yet. (laughs) <laughs> they're kind of coming. Well, they've been kind of coming for 20 years. People get honestly though here yeah, go back to the yeah. 60s. There were people that took things like Pintos and created flying cars. James Bond, you only live twice, I believe, with Roger Moore. They have a flying car in that that's built off of some terrible Malays era 70s thing because it actually existed. So, quote unquote, you can't see it. Flying cars have existed for decades. It's just we all keep going. That's not what I was hoping for. Aiden BRZ says, do we think all electric sports cars will be more than one size fits all for all different forms of motorsports like drag racing and drifting and track days? I think it's going to take a while to get things sorted out. Mm. Again, you got to get the people movers out there, the MPVs, the useful stuff, and make them go far. That's priority number one. Make them go far and battery technology. We're here, but we're not really here because... Uh, still price and mm. because of adoption people mm-hmm. are still just like yeah nah i don't want to change my lifestyle I don't really want that in my life until they become really cheap like thirteen thousand five hundred dollar volts <laughs> well it's actually a good consideration it, but or lots of charging infrastructure that makes it a non you don't have to think about it yeah. yeah but yes i think it will eventually get there because i think the possibilities are even more mm. as far as the different kinds of things people will be able to do with that recipe. Electric mm-hmm. cars won't mean just one thing, just like gasoline cars don't. Mm-hmm. But it's going to still take a while for that broad range to really happen. Mm. Gary, the cycling nerd, has a good ponderance. It could almost be a topic Tuesday, I think, but I, th- I think I can get there quickly. He says, if the current brand new C8 Corvette had come out with a manual option, do we think it would have pulled the prices down on used 0506 Ford GTs? That was the resurgence car mm-hmm. that had a, a gated manual. And also early R8s that would, be, would to this point, have been the last modern mid-engine cars with a stick shift. Two things going on. I think it might bring down the R8s, but the, the Ford GT would have stayed high because it started higher. And the thing about the Ford GT is it has a very limited edition. The R8 does not. The Corvette does not. They right, made as right. many as they could really realistically sell. The Ford GT was a moment-in-time car with a very limited number made. That's what keeps the prices up. However, I want to jump off your point and say this. I think you and I kind of disagree here, Paul, on the C8 Corvette, and that is I do think it should come with a manual. However, the current C8 cannot. It yeah. is fundamentally built in such a way it cannot have a manual. It would require an entire rethink of the center console, which is not going to happen. 
Something like the mm-hmm. Supra, mm-hmm. you look at it and go, well, the manual goes right there. Exactly. You sit in the C8, exactly. you go, there's nowhere to put a manual. So yeah. I think what's going on here is I think Chevrolet has actually missed an opportunity in the same way that when Porsche dropped the 992 GT3 and it was PDK only. Why? Because if you're going to make something a track car, the manual's slower. Mm-hmm. So Porsche mm-hmm. went high, PDK only. Yeah. Well, actually, okay. it was a 991, wasn't it? 991 yeah. GT3. Yeah. And guess what? Everybody lost their minds, and Porsche brought the six-speed back – and now they've got a surprising amount of people that want a six-speed GT3 in spite of the fact that it's slower. I think Corvette, at the price point that they have the C8, if the C9, I know I've jumped a gen, if the next gen is still mid-engine but they figure out how to put a manual in it, I think they will steal buyers from everyone even more than they already are going to because you cannot get a mid-engine exotic with a manual. And I think there is an audience for it that would go Corvette if it had one, and mm. would never think Corvette without it. Mm. I, I hear you, and I've clarified this point, but just one more time, and that is due to the architecture, as you said. It can't have one. It really it can't. It should have, but it cannot. If they had built it in such a way where it could have accommodated it, I welcome that. Mm-hmm. It would have been fun. The, the current one simply can't. You sit in it once and you go, yep, no manual. But, you know, from the direction i think that the team decided on mm-hmm. from modernity and pushing yes. everything forward yes. and with what we believe the future powertrains to come and you mm-hmm. know there's going to mm-hmm. be batteries down the center tunnel you know there's going to be electric yeah. motors up at yeah, the front yeah. you know it's going to be some kind of hybrid in You're there right. they probably had to make a lot of decisions that push the manual out the door mm-hmm. if they would do that and still make it structurally sound enough to be able to accommodate it well, of course, I welcome that. Yes. I think there's an audience that they could capture if that mid-engine car came with a manual option, but it yes. won't be on the C8. Well, if any brand could continue the manual, yes. Porsche, yes, but Corvette. I agree. Absolutely. Any other brand. Yes. Alex HC09 asks, if ignorance is bliss when mm. it comes to cars. Say a person loves Miatas, only ever bought Miatas. If they ever desired or never desired to own another brand, would they still be thought of as missing out on a new experience, though they themselves never desired one? I think it's okay. I I think it's just fine. There's mm. many people who operate in that capacity, and that's just fine. But I think, as we've heard at the top of the podcast from Tudor in the Netherlands, mm. just owning one car and thinking, I know there's more. I don't know what I'm looking for quite yet. I need to go experience some things. I think... As your car enthusiasm love grows, mm. you will want to experience other things. Look, Todd loves Lotus. I love Porsche. That doesn't mean I don't love Lotus and Por- Todd doesn't love this Porsche. This is true. This is very true. And we can't appreciate each other's yeah, cars yeah, yeah. or each other's brands. Mm-hmm. or You know, we kind of put that stake in the ground. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean we don't love the C8 Corvette or love other brands. Sure, or yes. Think, that Alpha 4C is, you know, really good on mm-hmm. the street and mm-hmm. not on the track, but on the street. Or, <laughs> y- you know what I mean? Or yeah, yeah. I'm actually kind of excited about the 86. If they solve the power issue and it's still mm-hmm. that light, I think that is my car now. It's interesting, It hasn't it? been. Yeah, I see it. And I've I called them out on that. But, you know, we're open to that kind of thing. But we always know there's – what else is there? Is maybe I'll find something that I love. And so I had to come into that Miata RF with the extra power with an open mind. Mm-hmm. And I – Turns out I really like it. Alex, I'm going to add on to this, and that is that is to say, who is the person we're talking about? Are we talking about you? Who are we talking about that loves Miatas? I think there's two layers to this. There is nothing wrong with deciding, Miatas are my car. I love Miatas. What I like about Miatas is, and you've got your list, mm-hmm. and you only want to buy Miatas. I would much rather that were the case having driven other things. Not even owned, driven other things. Sure. If you've driven Miatas, you keep buying the next Miata. Put, forget Miatas. Golfs. Corollas. You just keep buying the same car and you don't go out and experience other things. If you experience other cars at test drives, friends that have them, whatever, and you just decide, you know what? I like Miatas. Blessings. Buy another Miata. But if you're only ever driven Miatas, you're like, nah, I don't want to drive anything else. Now I think you are missing out. Mm -hmm. You see this question from Cutler Colin 99 asking, if we had to preserve a brand new car from today for 30 years, what Mm. car would it be and why? Can't put more than 5,000 miles on it over the course of 30 years. Ouch. Did you pick the car because you love it or because you think it will be worth money 30 years from now or for some other reason? My initial thoughts have to do with natural aspiration. Mm-hmm. A naturally aspirated V8 something. Mm, kind okay. of where my headspace right, is right. at. Just because 30 years from now, I think... 
that's going to be a very niche recipe if it ever exists yeah. in 30 years. Mm, that's good. So Corvette, C8 Corvette, I I don't know. I'm mm. I'm toying with some ideas and thinking out loud as I'm going because I've told you, Porsches are connected to sound. Mm. Sure, Corvettes are in a way, Mustangs are, Camaros somewhat, but Porsches are connected to that flat six, the whale. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so do you... Are they ever going to really get rid of that flat six? I think it will be some version or maybe a small percentage of them sold in 30 years with that flat six. Maybe I hope to be wrong. Mm. I don't know. But I think it's natural aspirations. Wow. That's, that's all. That's the only way that engine worked. Huh? No other tech on it. Huh? That's Old good. School. I like that. I have two that I thought of. One is Bugatti Chiron or Veyron. If we're not going money as an object. Oh. <laughs> for two reasons. One, it's because if I didn't put more than 5,000 miles in that car in the next 30 years, I think I'd be okay with that <laughs> if it was mainly a museum piece. And I think that is <laughs> if the money is parked yeah. with the car. Yeah. I think that is a car that is such a showcase of everything that can be done. It's still going to be fascinating and worth money in 30 years. Mm. Another one I thought of, haven't even driven it yet, but I really think it, it's, it's a ca- candidate here, is the current BMW M2CS. Okay. I'm wondering if now I would be heartbroken to have that car and only put 5,000 miles on it in 30 years. Yeah. I would break my heart. Right. But I think that may be the end of an era for BMW. Mm. I could be wrong, but I think it might be. Yeah. Speaking of Volkswagen, Parmalat says we've often talked about how loyal Volkswagen people can be. You know, the ones who have owned all seven GTIs, all the generations still sure, keep yeah. few in their garage. Do we think Volkswagen? Volts? Volks? Which is it now? Uh, like, it's, it's technically Volkswagen, but on about today, April 1st, it's Volkswagen because... Just kidding! Guy. Yeah. Is VW at a turning point right now where these loyal owners will give up on their brand? I feel like giving Vol- VW some advice. Oh, wow. Okay. Focus on the cars. Focus on how fun they are to drive. It's not just the tech and not just not the powertrain. Yeah. You've got to make them beautiful. Stop making them so Teutonic and boring and straight mm. lines. And I I appreciate designs like that. But introduce some fun, something surprise and delight. And look at Mazda. Mm. Mazdas, you could say, are kind of safe. But look at the surfaces and the lines. They're just pretty. Their base models are just pretty. Mm. Make your cars pretty objects to own and enjoy, not just things you plug into the wall in the future. And make them reliable and make them good. And don't over-engineer the things. Make them simple and beautiful objects and desirable again, not just fulfilling a, a need or a niche. Or Stop looking at Tesla as, as well. <laughs> the CEO keeps bringing up Tesla. As if he's not scared, but yet frightened. keeps bringing it up. Yeah. And you keep bringing him up like, well, we're not frightened of all. You know, we're, we're fine. You're a little frightened. You're scared out of your ever-loving so, mind. So far that you're considering being Volkswagen, you're clearly scared. Ignore yeah. everybody. Stop looking around. Do your thing and make them amazing. Make them cool, precious, fun, affordable mm beautiful things to look at. Make it sculpture again and you get to drive it and I can afford it and mm. they're really reliable. All those things, the the stereotypes and the connotations that we think of VW, solve all those things. Mm. Do it differently. <laughs> Outcast Shadow says, of the now discontinued Honda Fit models, which is the most engaging and peppy build? The thing that's cool about the Honda Fit is the six-speed manual. Mm-hmm. Get a six-speed manual. I think you can get the S model. I think that's the one you need to go for. I, I'm a little fuzzy on which uh, Honda Fit is correct, but you definitely want that six-speed manual because it really is reminiscent of the, some of their best, like the S2000. It's a really, really good six-speed there. There's another question I can't find again. I scanned over it. I didn't grab it, and I can't find it again, and I'm sorry. Someone was asking about drive homework, specifically the E46 M3, and they were saying, I want to own one, I think, mm. but how do I drive one? Mm. How do I get in one? Yeah. I went on Haggerty Driveshare okay. and looked. I looked nationwide. Find? I found like 10 or 12. Did you? All over the country. But now, nationwide. A lot of them yeah, yeah. are convertibles, but you'd still get a sense of it. I think you should figure out, go to Haggerty Driveshare, figure out where there's one close enough to you to take the time to drive there. Or, oh, I'm going to vacation there soon. I'll just do it when I'm there. Take that opportunity and get one that way because then you've got it for the full day. 
Mm. I don't think you're going to find very many people that have got that on Turo. I think DriveShare is the key here. And again, I found quite a few. Jeff H. on Facebook. Love the recent Perception podcast. Thank you, Jeff. He says it answered his question about how getting his family to see how good Hyundai has become. But do we ever think about doing debadged reviews like the blind audition on The Voice? Mm. Maybe. I think uh, that would work for electric cars, maybe. Be interesting to. I'm trying to think how we physically do that. I guess we'd have to climb in the car. I'm thinking about it right now with one of those like those those things they put on you when you get your hair cut. It goes around your neck and then it's just a big it's just a big sheet. How about we'd a have cone? To, we have to climb in the car with that, and that has to be pulled up around the parts of the dash. Yeah, and cut out for the steering. I've really thought about this. Cut it for the steering wheel, and then you, then you pull the blindfold off. So you're sitting in the car and you see nothing about what the interior is. You don't see the badge on the wheel. You don't even see, oh, that's the way BMW always does their center console. You right, don't know. It's just right. you've got steering wheel. You can feel the gear shift. You put It'd it in the gear. It'd be hard to really, really hard pull to set that up. off without getting any clue. be really hard to figure it out, to, to not figure it out. Yeah. But, yeah, blank it all out. Because interiors are so distinctive now. Yeah, for and sure. exteriors especially. And on startup, they give you the little graphic in the middle, and it's bling, and yeah. the startup and the logo. And you're like, ah. <laughs> Always enjoy your questions. Please yeah. send your car debates, your car conclusions, and your Topic Tuesdays. Don't forget about Topic Tuesdays. Yeah, EverydayDriverTV sure. at gmail.com. You can find us on the website, EverydayDriver.com. And we've got our Cheap Sports Car Challenge coming where we are going to endeavor to teach mm-hmm. somebody, two people, how to drive a manual transmission. Mm-hmm. And it's not a... Not only a contest between those two people on how quickly they can learn and drive a car with manual transmission, it's our ability, Todd and I's ability it's to actually, teach. It's more that contest. How good I'm a teacher can we be? I'm, I'm not that worried about the students. I'm worried about the teachers. One of the things that's going to be cool <laughs> is the fact that these are young drivers yeah, who are intrigued yeah. to learn manual. And so we're going to have them with us in these two cheap sports cars because let's be honest, burn out the clutch. I mean, I don't really want you to, but, I mean, ideally but, not, yeah. but at the same right. time, Okay. All right. If you're going to destroy a car, that one didn't cost much. Exactly. Having said that, we are still planning to give these cars away via a raffle later in the year. In spite of the fact I've just said that, we're still going to raffle them off. And what I've liked about both of these cars is they just run. They do. They do. And what I've been surprised by while I'm here, uh, I've had the Z4 out in – I mean, while we had a bad winter for snow, mm-hmm. we had a typical winter for cold we had a lot of serious cold without yeah. a whole lot of snow. Yeah. I remember a lot of days well into the negatives this year, and the Z4 always fired. It did a better job of sitting outside and firing on the first try and just warming up than any winter car I've parked outside under car covers. It's that robust German engineering for I you. guess. I mean, seriously, the, the Phaeton was treated exactly the same under the, car cra- the Covercraft car cover. The Mini was treated the same. They've all been treated the same. Yeah. The Z4, it didn't matter how cold. I had to put a engine block heater under the Mitsubishi to make sure it would start and oh, actually go into right. gear right. The Z4 is like, bring it. The Mitsubishi was so fussy with its liquids. It was quite fussy. It was, it was quite fussy. But the Z4 and the Mercedes will be given away via raffle later in the year. But we have so much to do between now and then. There's yeah. a ton coming. Yeah, and huge thanks to Auto Tempest and Power Stop Brakes for sponsoring the Cheap Sports Car Challenge. We couldn't have done it without those Absolutely. companies. Huge thanks. Autotempest.com and PowerStop.com as well. Thank you, guys. Really appreciate all your questions. Looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone.